Welcome to the Faceoffs and Fantasy Podcast with your two co-hosts, Sean and Marcus. We are back for episode number 13. Marcus, it has been a little while as we took a little bit of a pause over the break. So uh, how have you been? I've been great. It's a new year. Not new me, but new year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, nice to just take some time off, spend time with the family, with the fiance, and just, you know, not do any work. So that's definitely nice. How about you, Sean? How is your Christmas and New Year's? Yeah, so holidays are pretty sweet for me. In terms of going to see family, we go and see my wife's family, which is awesome. Uh, we were supposed to go and like, they usually do a bigger kind of get together for the family, but we decided not to do that this year just because a couple people had either worked with or had been somewhere where somebody tested positive for COVID. So we decided that we didn't want to take any risks of just gathering everybody together. And her grandparents would have been there too. And they're a little bit older. So we didn't want to take any chances with uh, exposing anybody. So we decided just to do like, you know, the immediate family. So it's just her family, her sister and uh, boyfriend and her parents. So that was nice. We just got to hang out and, you know, open a bunch of presents. They do Christmas big. (laughs) They always have like a whack ton of presents under the tree. I'm talking like, (laughs) you know, like north of 50 presents for like six to eight people. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty stockings, everything, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's the whole shebang. So (laughs) it it was certainly, I would say overwhelming the first few times that I went there for that. Uh, Especially just, you know, my family, we don't, we didn't usually do that many presents. Um, You know, every once in a while it'd be like a big present, but not necessarily like the number of presents. So yeah. But now I'm, it's like the 10th year now. So I'm pretty used to it at this point. And for sure. uh, yeah, it, it's really exciting. It's kind of fun. So I'm excited for our son to to grow up with that as well. He got a bunch of presents, obviously, this year too. I was going to say, so. Ozzy must've got a bunch of gifts. Spoiled. Being his spoiled first rotten. Christmas. Oh gosh. Yeah. Spoiled, spoiled rotten. So <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We also did, because uh, my I'm also Jewish as well, so he got one Hanukkah gift as well. Nice. So one Hanukkah gift and then a whack ton of Christmas presents. Was it like my first dreidel? Uh, no. <laughs> we, we do have a couple of dreidels at home, but no, we got a menorah actually because we, we oh, have our house. Oh, cool. Yeah, we have our house this year. So we bought uh, a menorah for the house and we did the candles every night with him. He really liked that. It was cool. And yeah, we got him got him one gift. We got him some Lego. So that's pretty nice. sweet. Nice. Yeah. He's too young for it, but obviously when he gets older, <laughs> it'd be pretty sweet. For sure. Well, they got like toddler Lego with just like larger pieces, right? Yeah, that, that could definitely work, but I don't think that's what we got him. Oh, okay. Full, yeah. tiniest, smallest pieces, ages 10 eh, plus. It's like medium size, <laughs> let's say, medium size. All right, all right. Uh, so yeah, that was good. And then with my family, we actually went to Arizona for a week. So we have a cousin who lives out in Arizona, so we got to stay there and do some fun stuff in Arizona. And that's awesome yeah just be away from the snow here yeah which was, which was <laughs> it nice. still looked a little cold though from the pictures that i saw on like social media and stuff yeah it was certainly colder than any other time we've been yeah so we were not overly prepared in terms of <laughs> oh, the no. clothes that we packed <laughs> luckily my cousin had a bunch of stuff for us there so we were able to borrow some toques and apparently they don't call them toques in the u.s no we were corrected and we were told they're called beanies oh okay yeah yeah anyways but uh yeah so we we brought some toques and some jackets and stuff when we went hiking and whatnot just to make sure that we we weren't freezing yep. <laughs> but yeah we also just stayed inside uh quite a bit as well we didn't really go to too many places we just went to this one restaurant that we really like mm-hmm. it's a mexican restaurant oh, for those of you sweet. don't know arizona borders with mexico so they have really good mexican food there yeah 
We went there twice, actually, in one nice. week. Nice. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, it's good that your flight didn't get canceled because I heard a lot of flights in the States got canceled around the Christmas and New Year's and stuff because they just they didn't have enough uh, employees, actually, to work. <laughs> yeah, don't quote me on this, but I believe there was also some type of strikes happening okay, with some yeah. of the American airline workers, mm-hmm. but we flew Air Canada, so... Oh, nice. That, okay. Yeah, it wasn't an issue for us. There were supposed to be two flights on that day, but they mm. amalgamated them into oh, one flight. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the only thing is our time, like a flight times changed, but it was no big deal. And I would say, I don't know, maybe 70% capacity. Like it wasn't a, a yeah, full. Yeah. So full even flight. with the amalgamation of two flights, it wasn't even full. So. Oh, yeah. Like there's, they would have lost money if yeah. they if they ran two flights that day. Mm -hmm. It makes Mm -hmm. sense why they put the two flights together. So, yeah. Nice. Well, it's good that it wasn't canceled and you were able to go see your family in in Arizona. So that's sweet and got to get away from Toronto or Ontario. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody's happy, healthy. You know, we had to get the rapid test to go there and the PCR test to come home. So no issues. Everything's all good. We're in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Because that's always a concern, I guess, when you're going for, I guess, shorter than, well, any amount of time, but yeah, right. man, what we, we got to the airport to fly home Yeah, and there was this family of four, they were flying to Vancouver, not flying to Toronto, but mm-hmm. you have to do the PCR test within 72 hours Yeah, and they did it like the day before 72 hours. Oh no. And the lady was just like, yeah, no, like you can't get in today. You're going to have to go get PCR test done and then provide us the results. Oh, Has geez. to be within 72 hours. Yeah. So just straight up, they were just denied. And the dude, like the father was like, oh, can I speak to your manager? And she was like, sir, you're more than welcome to speak to my manager, but this is a federal law right now. This is not something that Air Canada is imposing as an Air Canada rule. This is literally the government of Canada who has imposed this. So you're welcome to talk to my manager, but I can guarantee you they're going to tell you the exact same thing. And then they were just like, okay, fine. And then they left. (laughs) Someone's got to teach him uh, what 72 hours is in days. Yeah. You know, it was, I kind of understand it was kind of hard because the thing is um, we flew home on New Year's Day. So then it's like, when do you get the test? You're not going to get it on New Year's Day, probably not New Year's Eve. And then even the day before New Year's Eve, a lot of places were closed as well. So yeah. because New Year's Eve was actually the Saturday, right? So a lot of places were closed Friday. So then you like had to do it on the Thursday at a certain time. And it sounds like they couldn't that day. So whatever, man, it is what it is. You live, you learn, you got to follow the rules, especially when it comes to entering and leaving countries. They, they take that stuff seriously. Of course. Well, at least you weren't affected. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Too bad for that family. Yeah. It's all good. I mean, it is what it is. I'm getting my booster next week. Nice. So yeah, we're doing everything we can, right? For sure. Got to live your life a little bit still too. For sure. Speaking of uh, living our lives, Sean and I got to play hockey finally. <laughs> that was, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago now, but Sean made the trip out to Toronto and we uh, got to play with our friend Michael, who we've been talking about and how he started playing hockey this year with equipment. And uh, we had the bet that we were talking about last episode and unfortunately, Sean won. Fortunately. I lost. <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> for me, I lost. Fortunately for Sean, he won. He yes. uh, was able to hook up Michael with a nice 
pass or was it a secondary assist secondary assist okay so he he passed it to some dude and that dude passed it to michael and then michael buried it (laughs) man michael like mike had a wicked wrister that game he's got some power behind his shot yeah like i swear his wrist shot is harder than mine could be i mean he's he's got the height and he's been hitting the gym so yeah maybe it's the long stick too you know you get a little bit extra flex (laughs) he's got that leverage right yeah the leverage we're just really ripping that puck so oh yeah yeah it was it was a sweet goal it was really nice so good for him and yeah I'm, i'm happy to hear that he's doing so well just in terms of you know the improvements from such a short time and uh, I hope he sticks with it because hockey is such a fun, kind of fun pickup game. But it's also really nice as you get older, too, I find. I think I've mentioned this uh, on the on the pod before as well. But I find it hurts joints and stuff a little bit less. Like when you work out, I find it's like way less pounding, right? You're not pounding on your knees by like running or jumping oh, or yeah. anything like that. So hockey is one of those sports I think you could play as you get a little bit older, too. And I think it would be helpful to still get cardio in but not like destroy your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely improved a lot. The week after, Sean, he uh, he scored two goals. <laughs> he almost Ooh. got a hat trick. So he, he was the first person to score a goal in the game. And then he scored one later on. And he was he was vying for that hat trick, but unfortunately couldn't bury it. He said he was uh, pretty beat after a while, but he was buzzing out there. He was definitely getting lots of chances, making some moves. And it just, uh, I mean, he scored two. So that's that's pretty impressive. That's awesome. Yeah, well, next next is going to be the hat trick for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, whenever that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hockey shut down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, the month of January is a no-go. And yeah, then we'll in see. Ontario. In Ontario, least. yes. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens uh, after this. I think it was it 21 or 26 days. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so we'll see what happens come February. We'll see if they... I know like in our league, they, the commuter sent out a message basically saying, yeah, everything's postponed for now. If we come back, we'll reschedule games. And then if we can't come back, we'll just prorate your pay and and just give you some money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate with Ontario. They've gone into basically another lockdown and a lot of things have been closing. So I, I would call it a lockdown. They have yeah. closed restaurants too. Like you can't even go inside and eat at a restaurant. That's now, true. So. so yeah, it's it's another lockdown. <laughs> it's basically no it is it is another <laughs> lockdown so yeah even schools i think well online. they were trying to avoid calling it a lockdown but yeah who are we kidding it's a it, lockdown it is right <laughs> everything everything about the last lockdown is the same thing here everything's closed gyms are closed movie theaters are closed you mm-hmm. can't go into restaurants schools are sent home like kids are online yeah basically then, you're just going out to get groceries and that's about it yeah and then like five person household limit or whatever yeah like, indoor limit maximum yeah. five people so that's pretty small yeah it is it is well anyways it is what it is let's uh maybe get into some more hype stuff yeah. <laughs> some better new <laughs> stuff uh, yeah so yeah let's get started marcus yeah some more hype stuff sean so uh not hockey related but basketball sports still so steph curry <laughs> sports <laughs> sports I like sports. Go sports. <laughs> Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors has now become the all-time leader in three-pointers made. So that's pretty pretty impressive considering he's still fairly young in his career or yo- a lot younger than the players that he surpassed. I think it was Ray Allen that he surpassed. And yes, that's correct. Ray Allen probably played close to his 40s, I want to say. Like 
at least a couple more years than what Steph Curry's age is right now. Yeah, Steph Curry is 33, uh, 33 yeah. years old, just so you know. And how old How old was Ray Man, Allen? I didn't realize he was... <laughs> when he retired. When he retired, I'm not sure. I didn't realize that uh, Steph Curry was born in Akron, Ohio, though. Yeah, not just LeBron. That That's the same... <laughs> I was going to say, it's the same place as LeBron. They should have an Akron, Ohio team. They would be hyped. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, just, just LeBron and Steph Curry would, would make it all time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just the two of them. That's it. In their primes, man. In their primes. Well, you could argue that, I mean, the way Steph Curry's been playing this year, he's still basically in his prime. Oh, yeah. 100%, man. 100%. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, you know, like you said, it, it might not be hockey, but whenever stuff like this comes about, you, you just got to tip your cap on this one, right? It, it'll be the same thing in all these other sports if Ovechkin actually passes Gretzky for the all-time goals record. I can guarantee you people in other sports are going to be talking about how crazy that is, right? It's just one of those things where you got to, you know, respect where respect is due. Congratulations to Steph Curry on becoming the all-time leader in three-pointers made. That is an incredible statistic, and he obviously deserves it. He changed the game. Right. Him and Clay Thompson, when they started, you know, being the what do they call the the splash bros? Yeah, they just completely changed the way the game was played. And even now, like you look at it, right, there's so many guys who shoot threes. There's so many guys who shoot deep threes because Steph Curry would just be like, oh, one step over half court, drain a three. (laughs) Like nobody used to do that. Now, all of a sudden, all these guys try. Right. So pretty crazy. He definitely deserves the the honors. And yeah, good job. Right. Ray Allen was 38, turning 39. When he got when the he, record? Well, when he retired. So. Oh, okay. He got the record and just kept, you know, making threes to extend the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, I just wasn't sure because Steph Curry did it when he was 33. Yeah. Oh, true. So I don't know when Ray Allen got the record. Like, was mm-hmm. he 33 when he got the record? I don't know. So I'm not too sure about that. But anyways, kudos, Steph Curry. Now let's get back to hockey or not hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of also records that were broken... Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals actually recently broke the all-time power play goals record in the NHL. He scored his 275th career power play goal, putting him in number one. I believe he passed Dave Andrichuk. Pretty incredible stuff. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this for a while. I think just him being the best goal scorer that we've ever seen, you know, in terms of like when we started watching hockey and stuff like that. Yep. So... Not overly surprising, but also pretty crazy that he could go and, and beat something like that because mm-hmm. we've been watching him since he entered the NHL. So it's pretty crazy to to see that record be broken and, you know, a relatively short timeline too. Yeah, no, definitely it's not the end of his career. He's still got quite a few goals left and hopefully we'll get to see him break Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record. We will see what happens. I mean, at the rate he's going right now, like he might win the Hart Trophy this year. Yeah, He might have <laughs> the most points out of anybody in the league, which... When you looked at McDavid and Drysaddle starts, you probably would have called anybody crazy for assuming anybody but those two would win, but they have cooled off significantly, and somebody who has not is Alexander Ovechkin, so we'll see what happens. Which is sweet, because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, having a fantastic season just because I passed on him in fantasy and Marcus drafted him. Oh, yeah. That is I mean, that is actually the only <laughs> reason that he's having such a fantastic season. You could have taken him, Sean. Oh, I, I know, Marcus. I know. Yeah. I mean, Panarin's doing okay, but not... I think uh, Panarin's on the IR right now, but... Not not Ovechkin-like numbers. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one of the things that happened over the break, we, you know, I had some notes here talking about Team Canada, <laughs> the World Juniors. You know, I'm talking about the first couple of games. Nice. This is how it's going down. I like it. 
And uh, yeah, unfortunately, they got canceled. So the World Juniors, it was kind of fun to watch, though. Owen Power scored the hat trick. Connor Bedard scored a f- like four goals in one game. So that was pretty sweet. And then, yeah, as we mentioned, unfortunately, there's a couple teams that had to forfeit games, which they kind of knew was coming because if you looked at the actual fine print of this particular tournament, there was no relegation. And the reason they did that is because they knew if they had to forfeit games, they wouldn't want a team like, you know, Canada, let's say, getting relegated just because they physically couldn't play enough games. So it's a little unfortunate. It is what it is. But there was also talk marks about them pushing it back. They were saying that they might try to pick up the tournament again in the summer after the Stanley Cup finals are finished. The World Juniors, right? The World Juniors, yes. Yeah, I I did hear something about that. Yeah, so, I mean, that would be pretty cool if they were able to do that. That'd be pretty sweet. And, yeah, so that's World Juniors, Marcus. And then, Mm -hmm. as we know now, the Olympics have also been canceled. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) I should restate that. The Olympics have not been canceled. But the NHL and the NHLPA have agreed not to send NHL players to the Olympics. So for ice hockey in the Olympics, you will not be seeing any NHL players in attendance. They will not be going. They will not be participating. I mean, Marcus, it's certainly seen. So basically for you, Sean, the Olympics are canceled. (laughs) I still got to watch the skeleton, man. Got to watch the skeleton. Yeah. What about some luge? No, skeleton's crazy, man. They go head first, dude. These guys are nuts. But yeah, so... It's it certainly seemed like the players weren't too happy about it. I'm not sure if you saw that post from Bad Marshawn, Marcus, but he uh, yeah, he was not too thrilled. Basically, they were just talking about how, you know, it really should have been the player's decision. It sounds like the NHL kind of stepped in. And even though they made a statement saying the NHL and NHLPA agreed, it certainly sounds like it was more the NHL stepping in to say, hey, we've already had to cancel a bunch of games. We're going to need that three weeks. We can't afford sending players over there and then them having to quarantine and then losing even more games. So they basically just said, nah, we got to pull the plug on this. It is what it is. But we've talked about this before. The last CBA negotiations that happened it sounds like the players, this was like one thing that they were really, really adamant about. So I think they're going to be pretty pissed off. And I think the next time they're going to go to negotiate, this might be something that comes up mm-hmm. in for the sure. conversations. And I don't know if it's going to be good for the league. I think the players are going to use this as kind of ammo to push the league to get some better stuff for the players. Or let it be their decision to go to the Olympics or not. <laughs> yeah fully i guess I, I just don't know yeah i don't know how you do that right because they did say that they were going to send them and you know if it wasn't covid they obviously would have yeah, gone yeah yeah no, i but, mean it's a different circumstance yeah so that is world juniors that is olympics that is basically team canada we're talking about national representation unfortunately that's not going to be going down i know we were very excited for it as we did our mock selections for team yeah. canada team usa Marcus, as previously stated on this podcast, with 100% certainty that Canada would have won the gold medal, hands down, no questions asked, no competition from anybody else. 12, 12 nothing each game. It would have been a blowout. Yeah. I don't Shout care if your name's game. Austin Matthews. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, they would have scored three goals a game each. Yeah, yeah just, exactly. just game over. One thing I did want to mention, Marcus, is there was a confidential settlement between Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks. So 
basically that just means we will never find out how much money he actually got from the Blackhawks. But it certainly sounds like it was significant, uh, which obviously it should have been. The idea behind it, I think, is his lawyers were saying we want compensation, not just for, you know, obviously the the stress and trauma and everything and all the medical stuff that we're going to have to pay for and have paid for in the past, but also the fact that he basically lost out on being an NHL player. He was a first round pick. They were saying this was his trajectory. Mm -hmm. He was going to be making NHL money and NHL contracts he would have been signing. So we think that if he played in the NHL for X number of years, this is how much money he would have made. And from what I understand, that was the asking price. So I think it was relatively high, but yeah, confidential settlement. They're not going to talk about it. They're not going to mention how much it was, but hopefully it's something that was, you know, respectable for him and his family. And hopefully it'll help him and his family to do whatever they need and pay for whatever they need to, to try to get past this. Right. Of course. I hope uh, also that, you know, the other victims of Brad Aldridge also get compensated. Yeah. Like, you know, because if, it was reported or you know if the blackhawks did something about it and not just let him go he wouldn't have gone on to you know affect other lives yeah yeah it's a really tough one we'll see what happens i'm sure this is something that'll still be followed i'm sure there will still be some reporting on it and yeah we'll mention anything else that comes up we'll make sure not to to let it die right we'll bring up any any other conversations that come about from it all right well it's never easy to transition from those talks but as we mentioned if anything else uh, about cal beach or that scandal comes up, we will be certainly be talking about it again in this podcast. And like Marcus mentioned, hopefully there's some other stuff that happens for the other victims. And if we do end up hearing anything about it, we'll be sure to pass along that information to you. But moving on now, we are going to talk about some free agents this summer. So what we have in front of us is an article, and the article lists top 30 unrestricted free agents at the end of this hockey season. So we're going to take a look at the list. We're going to go five players at a time. There's no point in doing all 30 at once. And we're basically just going to break down who they are, where they're playing right now, and where we think they might end up next year. So Marcus, would you like to go first or second? I can go first. All right. Number one, Patrice Bergeron. His current cap hit is $6.875 million. Steal. Yeah. (laughs) What a steal. 36 years old, arguably one of the best defensive centermen in the league. He's won some Selkie trophies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Certainly has. I would say he is going to stay a Boston Bruin. Either he will stay a Boston Bruin or he'll retire. Uh, I don't think he'll leave Boston. Plain and simple. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one, Marcus. He's been there for so long. He's now the captain too. You know, like he's been there his entire career. Yeah, there's just no way. He's not going to be leaving the Bruins, Uh, especially the team right now. Like, yeah, they're in a bit of a funk compared to previous seasons, but they're certainly still playoff contenders and they still have a chance every single year because it's the Bruins. Mm -hmm. And if they squeak into the playoffs and somehow get to play the Leafs, then they're probably going to be laughing. (laughs) Yeah. Funny, funny. I hope the not. next one on this list, Marcus, is Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny wait, Hockey. wait, Sean, do you think he's going to sign for more or less than he currently makes or the same? Mm. 6.875. You think they're going to round it up to seven? Do you think he'll take a cut at like five just because of his age and term? Huh. What do you think his term is going to be? Do you think he's going to sign for four years? Make him 40? <laughs> That's interesting. Interesting point, Marcus. I think if he's planning on taking any type of hometown discount, it'll probably be on a shorter term. 
I could see him signing like a one or maybe even two year deal if he just wants to stay with the Bruins and kind of take it year by year and then decide if he wants to retire. Because don't like don't forget if he signs a four year five year contract and then he retires before the end of it, there will be some cap constraints and cap complications based on the fact that he retired with an active you know contract still and so, i think i think that's only if you're over i think the age of 35 and then you sign which he would be yeah yes yes so i personally think it's going to be either a one-year or maybe a two-year deal i think you'll get more than 6.875 if he wants it it really just depends on if he wants to take a little bit less money so that he can try to save money for the team because he is 36 turning 37 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and maybe he just wants the team to spend more money on other players so that they can have another couple of runs at the cup. Uh, but he certainly has not been paid the amount of money he deserves. Like you look at Alex Ovechkin signing that five-year contract with a $9.5 million cap hit. Yeah. He's like the same age, right? <laughs> so he could certainly get anywhere from eight to $10 million if he wants it. I think he will sign for more, but I think it'll be a one, maybe two year deal, but I think it'll start something with an eight in my opinion. Wow. That's uh, yeah. I agree with you in term. I don't know if he'll sign for that much. Uh, I mean, granted, you know, he's, he has taken a discount or you've seen his, I guess he's overperformed or outperformed (laughs) his contract. Yeah, no, no, I, I no. Say. I was gonna say you've seen his, I guess, other like other players of the same age or similar caliber definitely mm. get way yep. larger contracts. But I mean, you know, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he may take like a five, just five million bucks. Who knows? He may go with a Jason Spezza deal and just be like, you know what? I just want to play hockey for Boston. Stay there, captain. Give me seven hundred fifty k or seven hundred k. No, he's not I don't think that yet, will happen. Man. I don't think he, that will happen. He's yet. not there yet. Yeah. No. He's still an elite producer. He's still a number one center. He's still the captain of the team. Like he's not at that point yet. I mean, man, even think about Chara before he left. Like Chara was still making good money when he was playing for the Bruins. Even in his last couple seasons. It's not like he was making a million dollars. He was making like five million dollars, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't see I could see in a few years if he does something like Spezza did where He's a little yeah, bit yeah, older. Yeah, He's yeah. not a number one center anymore. Like, I feel like that's a different type of situation. But I just don't think that'll ever happen with Bergeron because Spezza came to Toronto because that's his hometown. Mm-hmm. I don't see Bergeron going to Montreal, playing for the Montreal Canadiens no, no. after <laughs> potentially being the number one uh, in terms of games played for the Boston Bruins. I just I can't see that happening. No, that's true. <laughs> I yeah. don't think he'll get more than six point eight five though. All right, well, eight seven five or whatever. I think he'll I guess sign this for, is another bet. I think he'll sign for less. That's my opinion, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see in the off season. Could be a bet. Yeah, it'll be a bet, Sean. You're thinking he's going to get more. I'm thinking he's going to get less. I think Correct. we agree on the term though. I don't think yeah. it'll be more than two seasons. Okay. Well, let's find out, Marcus. Something okay. to look forward to. <laughs> Number two, Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey. He is 28 years old, which means he'll be turning 29 at some point this year. And when I say this year, it is January now. Yeah, it's funny because everyone's talking about how, you know, he's not really a Daryl Sutter type player, but recently he's actually been doing quite well. It sounds like he's been a little bit more responsible defensively in his zone, and he's still putting up offensive numbers. I just feel like if the Flames either don't make the playoffs, which I think is unlikely, I think they will make the playoffs, but if they don't get through like the first round, 
I think it's just one of those things where it's been X number of years with the same player, with the same group of players. And I feel like it's almost that Toronto Maple Leafs where, you know, the Leafs have made the playoffs five years in a row, but they haven't gotten out of the first round in five years. And so even though we have phenomenally talented players like Matthews and Marner and Nylander and, and all these guys, nobody, you know, nobody wants to trade them, but then everyone's like, well, something has to change. I think it's one of those scenarios in Calgary. So I'm willing to bet that he leaves Calgary. He does not play for the Calgary Flames next year. I'm going to go ahead and say a team like the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be interested in a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. That's a team that for some reason is having a really tough time scoring goals. Here's a young winger. Here's a really talented guy. They don't really care in Philly about his defensive abilities. They just want somebody to put the puck in the back of the net. Marcus, he's going to make more than his current cap hit of $6.75 million. I think he's going to make somewhere in the eights as well. And I think it'll be a longer term deal. I think he'll get probably somewhere in the likes of, you know, five to seven years. You make some very valid points. He is actually from Philadelphia as well. So I think oh, there you go. <laughs> so that's also a, g- a good reason for him to go back or go to Philadelphia. I would you say heard you heard it here first, folks. Marcus thinks Patrice Bergeron is going back to Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Johnny Goudreau is going to sign in Philly for 750K. <laughs> exactly. 750K. He's only 28 years old, but you know what? Yeah. He's been around the league. 750K. He made his it. money. No, no, no. I mean, you'd have to put an eight in front of that, at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree with you, though, Sean, in that I think he's definitely going to sign for more than six, seven, five. Uh, he's going to get a long-term deal just based on his history in terms of, you know, obviously his produ- I'd say his production has been very good, but, you know, he doesn't play the full full ice. He doesn't, he doesn't play his defensive game. He's not known for his defensive game. So... Obviously, a team is not looking for him to be the leader, but just to put up those points. So I don't think Johnny Goudreau is going to re-sign in Calgary. I think um, Matthew Kachuk's deal is also ending this season, and he's going to command a lot of money. And I think, like you said, uh, if the Flames don't go far in the playoffs, I think it's time to move on from that core and focus more on Matthew Kachuk and build from there, especially with... Kachuk and Lindholm, they've got a good uh, one-two punch right there and then add some other pieces to accompany those players rather than the old regime was Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan. Yeah, Monaghan's fallen off quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Goudreau's been having a phenomenal season playing with Lindholm and Matthews. Uh, sorry, uh, Matthew Kachuk, that is. Yeah. He has 14 goals and 23 assists for 37 points in 31 games this season. So he is back up to over a point a game, which he did in 2017, 18 and 18, 19. But he, the last two seasons has been just shy of a point per game. So this is the pace that he's looking for. This is the kind of skill that he has, but this is a guy who just gets points. 64 points, 78 points, 61 points, 84 points, 99 points, 58 Mm -hmm. points, 49 points in 56 games. And now he has 37 points, 31 games. Like he's very consistent in terms of getting points and being able to score for his team. So I just think he's going to be moving on. I think he's going to be going somewhere else. And let's see uh, in the offseason, Marcus, what happens? Yep, I think so. I agree with you. And he's going to sign for a big deal. He'll be one of the top free agents available for sure. 
that is willing to move. And yeah. I think uh, I think you'll see a bidding war maybe. Yeah, I think Patrice Bergeron is a better all-around player, but we all know he's not leaving Boston. So, yeah, I think you're right. Goudreau will be the biggest name on the block of talent that's willing to go somewhere, still mm-hmm. 28 years old, has yeah. a lot of skill, has a lot of ability. Yeah, good call on that. Number three on the list, Evgeny Malkin, center for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's 35 years old currently. He's got a $9.5 million cap hit. He actually made more than Sidney Crosby, and he is still currently injured. Should be coming back very soon. What do you think he's going to make, Sean? Do you think he's going to make another $9.5 million? He is getting up there in age. His production has debatably probably slowed down a little from what he used to be putting up, but he's still a Hart Trophy winner. He still won an Art Ross, I think, and he is still one of the top centers in the league. Yeah. Yeah, this is a hard one. It's a really hard one. Like, he's 35 already, so I don't see him making more than the 9.5 million cap hit that he currently has. I think this is one of those where he might do, like, a one-year deal to, like, reestablish himself a little bit. It's hard because it depends on how he does the rest of the season. Like, let's say he comes back, he's a point-per-game player, and Pittsburgh makes a deep run into the playoffs. Like, he's going to be coveted by a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. But no matter what, I think likely what will happen is he'll either stay in Pittsburgh, and I think he knows he's going to have to take a bit of a pay cut if they want to make enough signings and pay the guys around them to be good enough. Like, he's 35, Crosby's 34. They're getting to the end of the road here. They're getting to the end of the championship yeah. window. And I don't think it's about making the extra yeah, million on his cap it. Exactly. I, I think at this time it's, you know what? Do I want to stay in Pittsburgh? Do we want to try to win a fourth Stanley Cup together with this team? Do, you know what I mean? I don't see him just leaving and signing somewhere else. He's already won three Stanley Cups. He's already made the money. I feel like he might end up re-signing in Pittsburgh. I think it'll be a one-year deal, maybe two-year deal. And it's just something where he's going to just ride it out. And then I would see maybe more of a, instead of leaving to go to another team, maybe he leaves to go to the KHL because this is, you know, a Russian player and maybe he wants to go play in Russia instead of playing in the NHL once it's all said and done. Yeah, that's uh, very valid as well, uh, especially as a Russian player. You definitely would probably like to play at home. So you could see that happening. I definitely agree with you. I don't think he's going to sign for a very long deal. Um, it will probably be less than $9.5 million as, you know, he's not performing at the same level. And, you know, if he wants to go for another cup, he's got to understand that, you know, he's got to share the pot a little. That way Pittsburgh can sign some quality players and to put around him and Crosby and they can they can make another cup run. He's definitely, at least he's won a cup. So you know, it's hard to say, you know, he may three. not. Yeah, uh, he's won three and it's hard. It's hard to say in that, you know, maybe he's just not. He doesn't care anymore and that he just wants to go home or something like that, right? You know, you don't know what's on their mind Where versus like a kind of like a Jason Spezza situation or Joe Thornton where he's look, they're both looking to win cups. Although yeah. Jason Spezza wants to win a cup in Toronto, and but Joe Thornton still wants to win a cup. So, Well, I mean, they both want to just win a Stanley Cup. Yes, yeah. Right? And that's like, like we've both said at this point. He's already won. So for him, it's really this is all in his hands. I think the other thing to keep in mind is how surprisingly well Pittsburgh has done this year already. 
Tristan Jari's had a phenomenal bounce back season considering how poorly he played in the playoffs. And, you know, he did well in the regular season last year, but this year he's playing extraordinarily well for that team. And they were missing Crosby and Malkin for a while. And Carter, Jeff Carter's been in and out of the lineup as well. Like they've had a ton of guys missing time to play. When this team is healthy and come playoff time, if their one, two, three centers are Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Jeff Carter, um, I know they're a little older, but dude, look out. Oh, yeah. That's a team with experience. That's a team with skill. Those are your top three centers. Like, that's a serious team who can make some serious noise in the playoffs. Don't forget about Evan Rodriguez. Dude, he's actually been playing really well. <laughs> I know. He, he, he sniped, really has. sniped a couple on the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, and Brian Rust is back. He missed a lot of time, too. He's got seven goals in three games so far since wow. being back. Yeah. Uh, Jake Gensel is a phenomenal point-per-game player. can score a ton of goals. Like, this is a talented team up front. The only thing I'm not sure of is their defense. Obviously, Chris Letang is there, but, you know, I don't know a ton of guys playing defense for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You don't I know, know Marino? Cody Cece isn't there anymore. <laughs> uh, I know there's a guy with the last name Marino because yep. <laughs> that's my brother-in-law's last name. So, <laughs> yeah, just stuff like that. But we'll see what happens. I think it's all in his hands if he wants to stay, if he wants to go. But he will certainly probably make that choice. I don't think it's as in writing as the Patrice Bergeron one. Like, I would think he's likelier to stay at Pittsburgh or go to the KHL, but I do think he could go to another NHL team. Whereas for Bergeron, it's like Bruins or nobody. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting to see like Evgeny Malkin in another jersey. If it was yeah, like, it'd be weird. Like the Wild or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, before Pittsburgh started to pick it up a little bit, I'm sure people were thinking, well, he's a good trade candidate if they're not going to make the playoffs. But that's true. By all accounts, it certainly looks like they're going to make the playoffs. And with him coming back, it should only boost their chances of making the playoffs as well. Yeah. But I'm sure he enjoys Pittsburgh, you know, and he's probably got great chemistry with Crosby and, and just, you know, everybody around in the organization. He's been there his whole career. So I'm not going to doubt him and say he's going to go elsewhere. But Dude, you know what's <laughs> going to happen, right? He's coming to Toronto. No, they're gonna they're gonna trade for Phil Kessel, and then, and then they're gonna win another cup. And they're gonna win another cup, but they're <laughs> gonna yell at each other the whole time. <laughs> and then one of them is gonna leave at the end of the season. Phil Kessel. <laughs> Phil Kessel. <laughs> All right. The next name on the list, Marcus, is Thomas Hurdle. Plays uh, center for the San Jose Sharks. Technically, their second line center. Well, I guess not technically. He is their second line center because Logan Couture is their number one center. Solid player. Uh, you know, he's bigger guy. He's got some skill, puts the puck in the back of the net, but is also really good at face-offs and, you know, just provides an all-round ability for you. I remember when this kid was really young and he scored that four-goal oh, game. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember that? Between <laughs> yeah. the legs and then the whole Joe Thornton. Like, Joe Thornton. <laughs> man, if I scored four goals in a game, I'd be celebrating with my blank in my hand. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was pretty jokes, but. He's certainly developed into, I think, more of an all-round player, which is fantastic, but he still has that ability. I think it sounds like like more and more that he will be going somewhere like the Minnesota Wild, who definitely need a second or even third-line center to try to help out. That's a team that's going all-in this year. We mentioned why already, but the dead cap space that's coming up for them because of the buyouts of Prize and Suter. That's coming up the next three seasons, so they need to go for it this year. And bringing in a guy like Hurdle would be fantastic for an already super deep team. It would just provide a little bit more depth up the center position. 
So are you saying they're going to sign him or trade for him right now? They're like? going to trade for him. They won't be able to sign him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of signing somewhere else, I don't know. I, I'd have to look into it a little bit more in terms of where he kind of lines up or fits. But uh, yeah, I could see, because he's only 28, I could see him getting a bit of a pay bump here. I'm not sure teams will be paying him somewhere in like the sevens or eights, but I could certainly see him making somewhere in the sixes on, you know, a medium to longer term deal. Yeah. I've, I'm going to disagree with you a little, Sean. I think he's going to make a pretty big payday considering he's probably one of the only centers that will probably be on the move, especially this caliber at his his level of skill. Um, you don't see many other centers on this list below his name. Next one is number 11, Vincent Trocek. So I think uh, I think Thomas Hurdle will be getting a pretty decent payday. I think I think you should. I think you will see seven, eight million dollars, especially how the the other the past couple off seasons have been. Some centers usually get paid quite a bit, and especially if he is a decent two way center and is good at face offs, I think he can capitalize on uh, the weaker free agent pool this season. Obviously, teams are still going to be a little conservative due to COVID and how it affected the past couple seasons, but. I still think that Thomas Hurdle will still make a decent amount. Uh, he's going to sign a long-term contract, upwards of five five years. And I don't know where he's going to go. I don't think he'll be um, back in San Jose. They're kind of in a cap crunch. And I'm sure Thomas Hurdle wants to win. Yeah. Well, he's still young-ish, too. He'll yeah, go where we'll the money see. is. Yeah. But leaving <laughs> may, San yeah, Jose. He may get traded to Minnesota. But like you said, I don't. we don't think he'll re-sign in Minnesota. So yeah, we'll see where definitely. he goes. He could be going anywhere. Could be in the East. Could see him a lot more. Could absolutely see him going in the East. We'll see what happens. But yeah, man, leaving San Jose though, <laughs> it'll kind of suck depending on oh, yeah. geographically where he goes. Of course. Go to Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, go to go to Winnipeg. I could I could maybe see him going somewhere like Seattle even. If oh, Seattle yeah. wants to take, if Seattle's going to spend, because they have what, 30 million still That's in cap true. space. That's true. If they want to make a few signings this offseason, I could see something like that where mm-hmm. they take a shot at him and he's got some more depth, brings that skill, two way ability. Like, I could see him being a good fit. Well, he'd, like we'd, that. he'd probably jump to the top of their depth chart in terms of I center. I think so too. Yeah. They might even give him a chance as the number one center there. So. Uh, I mean, Jared McCann's been doing great there, but I think Thomas Hurdle's a little He's been better. playing wing mostly, though, hasn't oh, he? Oh, has he? Okay, I think then. I think Jared McCann's playing wing mostly. Oh, with with uh, Gord. Yeah. Okay, Gord's the center, but still, I think I think Thomas Hurdle's. Oh, maybe he's around that same caliber as Yanni Gord. Then. Yeah, maybe so. a one A one B kind yeah. of situation, but exactly. never hurts to have that strength up the middle. Of course, of course, adding more depth down the center. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine him as a third line center on a team? He'll be amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, it could we'll be see. for the playoff run. You know, you never know. Yeah, it's possible, but I, I see him probably going to Minnesota. All right, number five, Marcus, that's you. All right, last guy on the list for today, John Klingberg, defenseman, right shot defenseman, Sean. 29 years old. Current right shot, cap, baby, right shot. Right shot. Current cap hit $4.25 million. I definitely think it's going to be going up than that. He's a very skilled, offensively gifted defenseman. I think uh, he's going to get paid. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't think he's going to end up in Dallas again. No. Um, I think they've moved on from him in terms of him being the number one. It's now Miro Heiskanen's show in Dallas. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where John Klinberg ends up. But I think he's going to get, he could get like seven, eight million dollars easily. 
here's the thing for this year, Marcus, is he's really, I wouldn't say fallen off because, you know, we talk about his ability and his skill. Super, super talented guy. But you're right. They've given the reins to Heisken in there. Like, that's one of those things where John Klingberg, they, I'm not saying moved on, but they're certainly giving more opportunity to Heisken in to try to mature. They've already given Heisken in that contract in Dallas. So the only thing I'm a little bit worried about for Klingberg here is he's being shafted in Dallas. He's actually not getting the same opportunities that he's gotten in the past. Luckily for him in his last three games that he's played, he's gotten three power play points. But before that, like he only has seven power play points on the season. Mm -hmm. That's all he has so far, which for a guy like John Klingberg, that's usually his bread and butter. So I'm just wondering if the way that Dallas has been treating him this year, the fact that they're not giving him nearly as many opportunities as they have in the past, if that's going to impact his ability to land a really big lucrative contract in the offseason. I'm not saying it will for sure. I'm just saying it might play in a little bit as a factor. Whereas if he was still putting up the same numbers, he was putting up the last three seasons with Dallas this, this same season as well, he would be getting paid big, big, big bucks. 4.25, Marcus, I don't know. Like, does he get more than Morgan Riley just got? Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. He may. I, I think him going on the open market definitely gives him the opportunity to get more. Yeah. But you're making some very good points in that, like, this season is not really a great season in terms of showing his capabilities, but I think the previous seasons are good examples, and teams will usually go off his previous numbers, not just this this year's numbers, and they'll obviously it'll show that he probably had his power play time was way down. If a team's looking for somebody to anchor their power play from the defensive end, I think he's probably the top guy out there. Yeah. Right? Unless you're going to build from within. Or yep. they have a guy that they are planning to give the reins to, but I think John Klingberg is going to be the top guy available. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And, and yeah, I just brought it up because I know that his numbers are, are relatively down compared to previous years, but the body of work certainly speaks for itself. It's not like he had a one-off season where he did really well. Like, it was consistent. He was yeah. putting up big numbers for yeah. s- consistently over across years. Like, he's 29 now. It's not like he's... 23 24 and only had one big year um so yeah that's something to keep in mind and you're right i think he will get paid i think it'll definitely be somewhere around i would say six ish million per season i'm not sure if he'll get more than somebody like morgan riley it just depends like you said how desperate teams are looking Mm -hmm. for quarterbacks and looking for a quarterback on your power play if you're already a contender how much money do you have to spend on that right so we'll see how it kind of comes up. But for me, I'm, I'm looking somewhere in the sixes for him, considering 4.25 is what he makes right now. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll make somewhere closer to seven or potentially even eight. Uh, but that same sounds like a lot of money for uh, somebody who is more of known as an offensive and not necessarily well-rounded defenseman. Fair enough. Yeah, that's very true. We'll see. We'll see what it, what he gets in the offseason. Who knows? He could re-sign with Dallas potentially so. <laughs> or he could get traded if uh, if Dallas decides to move him to get to recoup some assets before uh, he leaves yeah honestly if Dallas continues to like not do that well I would not be shocked to see him get moved somewhere um, if, if they continue to just be mediocre and not really step up and try to make a, a really serious playoff push um, I could see that being the case 
because why would you keep him if you're not going to be doing anything and you could potentially get something back for him, right? Exactly. A pick, a couple of picks, or another a young prospect, anything, right? Yeah. I mean, they're like they're in sixth place in the division right now. So mm. that that's not too pretty at the moment. No. You know, they have a few games in hand over some of the teams that are up higher, and I understand that, but we'll see what happens. Dude, okay, they have games in hand, in all fairness, but do you know who's in first place in the Central Division right now? Don't say Chicago. No, no, Chicago. <laughs> no, Chicago's in seventh. <laughs> They're only ahead of Arizona. Is it Colorado? No, Colorado has games in hand, so they they will likely be in first once they catch up. But as of today, right now, the team that's in first place in the Central Division, Arizona, the Nashville Predators. Oh, wow. Yeah, they have 44 points in 34 games. They're 21-11-2, so they're 21 wins and 13 losses. Crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, but Colorado has five games in hand, and they're only four points behind. So likely they'll pass them, and then, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, man, Nashville's having a sneaky good season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you called it in that saying, watch UC out Soros. for UC Soros. UC Soros. Man, I would not have won my championship last year without UC Soros. Can guarantee that. <laughs> okay, now we're going to move on to the Leafs talk portion. So Leafs corner of our podcast, Marcus. Number one, I, I have to mention this because I made a big time mistake actually last time when we were discussing this. You cannot play games while you are appealing a suspension in the NHL. I know that you can in the MLB. It has been done several times, and it's something that they do quite frequently. And I just put that on NHL as well. But um, just looking back on, we were talking about how Spezza was appealing his decision. He was not eligible to play while appealing it. So that was a mistake that I made. Just wanted to correct myself. Um, in terms of that appeal, it did go through. His sixth game got reduced to four games. He had already served four games by the time the appeal decision came down. So he was eligible to come back after that little break that they had around the holiday season. So Spezza has been back, but I just wanted to correct myself. That was a mistake that I made. Marcus, next topic. All right. So, Sean, your boy, Jacob Chikrin, is on the trading block. Do you think the Leafs should go and get him? He's a left-handed defenseman, though, but he can put the puck in the net. He's a big guy, definitely throw his body around, add some extra toughness. Do you think they should get him? I mean, in my opinion, yes. I think he is extraordinarily talented. I think one of the things the Leafs lack is production from their defenseman in terms of points. This is a guy who could score 20 goals in a season. Like He, he had 18 last year, and this year he's a little bit slower but he's also playing for a historically bad Arizona Coyotes hockey team so if he were to be placed with a you know more reasonable team even mediocre team but then to come (laughs) to a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs where they are really really strong I think he would blossom in this environment the big thing about him is he has four years left on his contract and it's a relatively bargain deal somewhere in the mid fours So it's not like you're just trading for a guy, get him for one season, and then, oh, he's gone. The only thing with that is because he has such a reasonable cap hit over the next uh, four seasons, he's going to cost a fair amount to get. I think it would probably have to include Rasmus Sandin in the trade. I think that's something that would have to happen and probably a first-round pick as well. I don't know if there'd be... And Nick Robertson probably too. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know if they I don't know if there'd be another and in there. I'm not sure if Nick Robertson would be the name floating around. I'm not sure the Leafs would want to do something like that. Sandine and Robertson are probably their number one defensive and number one offensive prospects. I guess I shouldn't call Sandine a prospect anymore. He's played all He's season the with NHL. the Leafs. Yeah. But when I say prospect, I mean it more so in the context. He's still only playing third line, but they're projecting him to probably be a top two line guy. Yeah, the only thing with this is, as you mentioned, Marcus, he's a lefty. The Leafs have a ton of left-handed defensemen already on this team. Jake Muzzin, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, and Rasmus Sandin are all left-shot defensemen. Not to mention Travis Dermott is also a left-shot yes. defenseman. <laughs> so really all we have is on the right-hand side is Timothy Lilligren and Justin Hall. And Justin Hall has not had a great season. So it's tough because how do you pass up a guy who's very clearly in his prime, can score a ton of goals defensively, is a solid guy. And yeah, I think you have to kick the tires. And I would love to see him in a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. But uh, I just don't know if practically getting another left shot defenseman is going to help this team in the future. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Sean, though. I think they should definitely inquire about him. They should definitely be asking what the asking price is, what they'd have to give up for him, because adding a top scoring defenseman like Jacob Chikrin would be amazing. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get as much power play time. He'd probably have to be sharing it with Morgan Riley. And then also you got Rasmus Sandin in there as well, who also uh, anchors the second power play line sometimes or most of the time. So I don't know if it's the right fit for the Leafs, but he's definitely a guy that will will command a lot for the trade. And I don't know if it's worth risking what little future, well, not little future, but the, the few prospects or our top prospects that we have for him. Yeah. It, it's It'd just, be great to see. Yeah. You know, maybe a fun <laughs> it's just video game big picture. Video game theory. <laughs> Like if you're going to trade Rasmus Sandin and you're going to trade Nick Robertson or you're going to trade a first round pick, you probably want to go and get a guy who's a right shot defenseman or you want to go and get another depth winger or you want to go and get, you know what I mean? You want to get something that's going to be helpful for the team, not just this year, but hopefully for years down the road as well. I mean, the nice thing is TJ Brody has played on the right-hand side for a number of years. So even though Mm -hmm. he's a left shot defenseman, it's not like if there was room on the left-hand side, we would be you know, eager to move him over. He is a right defenseman, even yeah. though he shoots left. So, and, and I mean, Jacob Chikrin is an NHL player. Same with Morgan Riley, same with Sandine, same with Travis Dermott. I'm pretty sure they can play on the right side. It's not impossible. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a couple things that they got to keep in mind when they're trying to move the puck out or which way to ang- uh, angle their body in terms of like, when they're going into the boards or something just to be able to clear the puck out or, or move the puck faster because they're on their off wing or offside. But I, I don't think that that's a huge issue, especially, uh, especially that Babcock isn't coaching anymore. So <laughs> or, <laughs> we don't have to worry about what we need a right shot defenseman on the right side. You yeah. know, the Leafs did it for years before that with Brian McCabe and Thomas Caberlet. They, mm-hmm. They're both left shot defenseman and one of them would play on that right side so it's not impossible i mean definitely the leafs have done it before also like you said sean he's got even morgan riley and ron hainsey right yeah that's true ron hainsey was also a left uh shot defenseman who played on the right side yeah and um like you were saying though i think 
Jacob Trickren having like four years left on his deal at four and a half or, or, or five million or whatever you said. I mean, that that's huge, though. That would be uh, he's at his skill level and that um, contract price. I think that would ask a lot, too. That's it, it's going to be a big trade that uh, to get Jacob Trickren out of Arizona. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for, obviously, if they As are they putting him on the block. He's still very young, though, so I'm I'm not sure why they are. I think they just need to recoup as many assets as they can. Remember, don't forget, this is a team that lost a ton of draft picks because of the dumb thing that they had with mm-hmm. the testing guys before they were supposed to test yeah. them. And then they drafted that kid with their like third-round yeah, yeah, pick, their- <laughs> which was the only pick they had, and then they ended up renouncing the pick, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say his name because we don't need to mention him. Uh, but, yeah, like it's... It's a but, team I mean, that has Chikrin's been mis- still young. I mean, he's a. Uh, I, I don't know. I I think twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's young. He's, he's still uh, will be a viable player. I'm oh sure, man, when they I remember when Arizona leading up to that draft upticks. <laughs> I remember he was actually supposed to go first overall. Like there was talks about him being the first overall pick in his draft the season before he got drafted, and then he slowly like slid down a little bit. And I remember him being taken 16th overall. And I was actually thinking the Leafs should jump on this right now. They should trade up and try to get this guy. And that's exactly what the Coyotes did. But anyways, it's also one of those things where you don't want to hesitate too much. And then all of a sudden you see the Montreal Canadiens forking up for this guy or the Ottawa Senators, or it doesn't have to be a Canadian team, but I just mean another team within our division. And then all of a sudden you have to play this guy, you know, six times in a season. (laughs) And you're like, damn, I really wish he was on our team instead of on, you know, one of our competitors. Of course. You know, watch him go to friggin' Boston or something. And all of a sudden, oh oh, man, you know, he's playing on the left side and they got uh, McAvoy McAvoy on the right side. Like (laughs) how formidable would that top two be that top pairing in, in Boston. Right. So Yeah. It is what it is. They got to kick the tires. But like we both kind of mentioned, I don't know if it's the right fit for us unless we're trading defensemen away, unless we give up some of our left shot defensemen in that particular trade. So, Marcus, last couple games, the Toronto Maple Leafs have played a big win, 6-0 over Ottawa, 4-2 win over the Edmonton Oilers, player of the game <laughs> over these last two games. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, man, this dude, he's got three goals in two games. He's got two power play goals and one shorthanded goal. So he's all of a sudden he's a specialist when it comes to, you know, the uh, the penalty kill and the power play. This dude's playing everywhere. This dude's producing. He is flying around the ice. I forgot how fast he was, man. I forgot how quick he was. Like watching him play now, it's like, whew. And uh, for some reason, I guess his wrist shot is a lot better now. <laughs> what what do you see uh, from these two games, Marcus? Were you happy with the results? And uh did you want to rub it in a little bit? Oh, it's great to see, Sean. I'm glad you remember that I did say, you know, don't forget about Mikheyev, and you had already wrote him off. But, yeah, it's really good to see. I think, obviously, a big win, 6 nothing over Ottawa. Mikheyev scoring two goals. I think even you got goals from the defense core, uh, Justin Hall and TJ Brody as well. So that's really good to see. A good all-around game, great game to come back to after uh, missing a couple uh, days from COVID, some of the games were postponed, and then you got the big win uh, last night over Edmonton. They went down, I think, two to one, and then they, you know, they just came back, and then they uh, they ended up winning four two. So it's good to see. I think I think it's you know the Leafs are still rolling, so that's good. Even with the break that they had, well, everybody had a break. I mean, not that Ottawa is really a strong team, and 
Edmonton's kind of been struggling as of late. Yeah. But it's still good. You got to keep that momentum going and, you know, you got to win the easy games too. So I think that's a good sign because, you know, sometimes they kind of get, they look past Ottawa and then Ottawa comes out strong. They end up winning. So it's a it's a nice nice change or good to see that the Leafs were able to win 6 nothing against them. Oh, yeah, 100%, man. Like, ditto. Ditto, 100%. Like, all the stuff you're saying makes so much sense to me. In particular, the the aspect of you you still got to win the easy games, right? Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things the Leafs had had some difficulties with in the past. I, I feel like it's safe to say at this point, like last season and then this season, the Leafs have become a very dominant regular season team. Night in, night out, they seem to really show up. They seem to really grind down other teams. And, I mean, I don't want to say it's easy when, but... You know, when you have a team that could very easily score five to seven goals on any given night, there's always that mentality of it doesn't matter what the score is, we can win. And I think that's really helped them over the last two regular seasons. And I think you're starting to see that really play into their identity a little bit this year as well. They went up one nothing against Edmonton, gave up two quick goals. Like all of a sudden, oh man, now we're losing two to one. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Minor, minor detail, of course, Marcus, is that Connor McDavid did not play that game. <laughs> he was, uh, <laughs> uh, he's unfortunately on the COVID list, so we didn't get to see him go up against Matthews. But That's true. Yeah, I mean, this is a team with a ton of confidence right now. They're playing super well. You got to beat the teams that you're going to beat. And I will say about the Senators, as bad and as poorly as they have performed this year, they still typically score goals. And to put a donut to shut out the Ottawa Senators is actually fairly impressive. I think I mentioned it earlier, but last season, the entire season, they were the last team to get shut out in the regular season. Like, so they had the least amount of shutouts against them, or they were the last team to get. They were shut the out last against. team to get shut out to oh, okay. not score a goal in a game. So they, although they don't win a ton of games, they score quite a bit. So it is impressive that it was a 6 nothing when the fact that they shut the door and didn't let Ottawa score, um, that was impressive. Matt Murray was in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That our, helped. Our friend Matt Murray, <laughs> who doesn't know why he was sent down to the minors, Marcus. Well, he's back in the NHL now. So Yeah. Speaking of waivers, though. Yes. Some big news coming out today from the Leafs camp uh, is Richie is actually on waivers. So Nick Ritchie was an offseason signing for the Leafs, signed a two-year, $5 million deal, so $2.5 million cap it. They were really hoping he was actually going to be on the top line. They were hoping he was going to be playing with Marner and Matthews. Yeah, that did not work. They gave him quite a bit of time to try to figure it out as well, and he just he just didn't. So they're putting him on waivers. I don't think he's going to get claim, Marcus. 2.5 mil per year this year and next year. I don't see any teams taking that on. I think it's just a little bit too rich for the production that he's been giving. If it was just like the one year, like if it was just this one season, I could maybe see a team taking a chance on him at 2.5 mil. And then if he picks it up a little in the second half for the trade deadline, they could, you know, take half of his cap hit and trade him away. But he's got another season left. I don't see him going anywhere. The one thing that was interesting though, Marks, is the article that I was reading about it was saying that even if he's not claimed, the Leafs will still save a bit of money on the cap. So that would be helpful for us, especially if we're trying to make a bit of a run at some other guys come trade deadline. So if he clears waivers and is put on the taxi squad or sent down, we would be saving $1.125 million in cap space. 
that's almost half of his cap hit, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I think so. It's a shame. I don't think his career yet is over with the Leafs, but you know he's only had one goal, seven assists, eight for eight points in 30 games. I think the Leafs definitely tried to give him an opportunity. He's he's a local kid. He's from Orangeville. Um, I remember his draft season, his draft year in 2014. He was picked 10th, but I think uh, there was the opportunity or there was talk of picking him 8th. Uh, the Leafs selected 8th that season. And can you guess who they picked, Sean? Nope. He goes by Nylander? William oh. Nylander? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so the Leafs did not pick him, thankfully. And I think uh, William Nylander is the better pick, but... You know, <laughs> hands down. Yep. <laughs> There's Nick also Ehlers uh, Nick Ehlers as well. Yep. Yeah. He was he was that uh, that draft, and he he was drafted. I think was he seventh or was he ninth? I think he went ninth to Winnipeg, or was it Atlanta? Uh, either or. Back to Nick Ritchie. I don't think he'll get picked up. I think this was kind of not his last chance, but a chance for him to show that he's got top end skill. He was given the opportunity and. You know, if he can't succeed on the Toronto Maple Leafs, no offense. I mean, it seems like most wingers have been able to succeed with Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, he probably doesn't have it in terms of that top six skill. He's more of that fourth line gritty player. He definitely did throw his body around at times, got into some fights. But his cap hit, I don't think he's worth it to be playing on the fourth line. So I think that's why the Leafs are going to send him down to the taxi squad, hopefully save some money, bring him up if they need him, and then they got Kyle Clifford instead. Yep. No, that's very fair. I don't know, man. Like, uh, I just I feel like a guy like Kasha has also played a lot better than him this year too, yeah. right? So yeah, there's sure. just a lot of options that we have. And once um, once Nick's, Nick Robertson is back from injury as well, maybe that's somebody that they're going to consider giving a chance to, right? So... We'll see what happens, but yeah, sorry. They gave him a chance. We'll see what happens, but they'll probably give him another chance next year too, right? Because he'll be back. I, I don't yeah. see him going I, anywhere. I don't think they've written him off completely. I think he still has the opportunity to come back onto the team. And, you know, also he'll still have next season as well unless they decide to buy out his contract, which is highly unlikely. Yeah, but just, you know, with your boy Mikheyev coming back now, you got Bunting, you got Mikheyev, you got Kasha, potentially Nick Robertson coming up. Like, you got a lot of talented wingers who are actually producing and, and doing well offensively. Not to mention you still got the guys that you got in the fourth line, but Kerfoot's also been playing a bit of wing as well, right? So Kerfoot, yep. I just don't see him fitting in there. Yeah, no, I think it's just we have too many other players. And like you said, Mikheyev's back now, and with his hot start, it's kind of, you know, made Nick Ritchie obsolete. Yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're exactly. talking about having potentially too much depth on forward. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Exactly. You know, a lot of people exactly. talk about how top heavy the Leafs are. And yeah, obviously, because the skill difference between the top guys and the rest of the guys is significantly different, but not to discount the guys that we have because the other guys are still performing well. Bunting's been playing well. Kasha's been playing well. Mikheyev's playing well since he came back. Mm -hmm. Kerfoot's been playing well. Like, we have good wingers. What we need is defensemen. Yes. You know, in the playoffs, you never know. It'll, it'll be good to have Nick Ritchie there, too, because he'll definitely add that extra grit, that toughness, throw his body around, hopefully, if he if he's on if he's in on the line or in the line lineup. So I, I don't... Maybe. I, I don't think this is the last time you see Nick, you see Nick Ritchie. That's maybe. All. Or maybe Kyle Clifford's that guy instead. Well, you could have both. <laughs> could have both. If we need him. If we if play we Boston. Need him. Yeah.
All right, Marcus, this brings us to the fantasy corner of our podcast. It's been a rough go in fantasy, Marcus. It's been a rough go. And I'm not talking personally. I'm talking about for everybody yeah. with all the postponements, with all of the COVID, with all the players going on COVID, you know, with a lot of Canadian games getting postponed right now because there's no fans in the building. It's been really hard to keep up with teams just to make sure you even get three goalie starts if you're a league that has the minimum requirement for three goalie starts. Like, it's been a rough season overall. What, what do you think, Marcus? Yeah, especially the past couple of weeks. Um, it's definitely been difficult. Luckily, I think in our well, our league, uh, the Christmas week, that fantasy week spanned over two weeks. So that was good in that the league did postpone a lot of games during, um, I think they stopped playing games on the Tuesday. And basically, um, you didn't see any games for like five, six days or seven days or something like that straight. So um, luckily the fantasy league or our fantasy league that was a two-week week so you were still able to maybe get some starts and everything or get get some players in and yeah I think uh, this week's definitely been difficult as well um, I haven't had any goaltender start and I have three goaltenders so it's God, already I've, it's I've Thursday well. for us it's Thursday for us so yeah I don't even know if I'm gonna get the minimum of three yeah I, I doubt that I'm gonna get my three starts Marcus uh, because my goalies are goalies that split. As you know, Samsonov mm-hmm. and Sorokin, those are both guys that play in platoons, right? So yeah, it's very unlikely that over the next three days I'll get three starts. But the big di- biggest difference between you and I, Marcus, is if I don't get three starts, oh, well. <laughs> that just means I lose the goalie categories. No big deal. It's funny, actually, because I'm currently losing 6-5, but four of the six categories that the other guy's winning are goalie categories. Oh, no. Yeah. And... He's winning with a 4.6 goals against average and an 852 save percentage. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. Life goes on. But I mentioned this last time as well. You know, if you're in a keeper and you think you're going to be a seller, I would highly recommend trading early and often. And when I'm talking about keeper leagues, I'm not talking about, you know, the big names that you're planning on keeping for the next season. I'm talking about names where guys are having big starts, guys are playing well. You know, one example I can tell you is earlier this season, I traded high on Elvis Mers Lincolns when Columbus got off to the hot start and he was seven and two to start the season. Like I traded him for a mid round pick that included a third rounder and He's fallen off significantly since then. (laughs) So the fact that I was able to get anything for him, looking back on it now, if he was still on my team now, he would be somebody that I just drop. Um, So if you have guys that are performing well, they're hot, you don't have to ask for a first, you know, top three round pick. Just ask for something, you know, maybe it's an eighth round pick for your 10th round pick or something like that. Just moving up ever so slightly and ever so slowly will help you in that way if you are using draft picks in your particular keeper league. Other thing I wanted to mention is if you are in a league, this is probably the time to start discussing contingency plans. I know myself, I'm a co-commissioner. So myself and my buddy John were co-commissioners of the league. We've already had a couple conversations about, all right, well, what happens if there's, you know, serious stoppage in play? What happens if the league gets shut down? What happens if they go into another bubble and some teams aren't going to be invited? You know, we've already kind of had some of these preliminary talks. What are some of the options that you can do moving forward? You know, if you're in a non-keeper league, it's hard. I would say 
you could keep the money in the pool for next year. Maybe just say, you know what, we'll play out the rest of the season, but whatever money we have in the pot is going to stay in the pot and we'll just use that for next year because it's just too tumultuous this year with all the guys missing games and people not being able to get goalie starts. And then the other thing you could do is you could potentially just say, all right, whoever makes the playoffs, we're going to split the money between the teams that make the playoffs and those that don't. Um, so that's a couple ideas in terms of contingency plans for non-keeper leagues. Did you have anything to add, Marcus? Yeah, I think those are some good options. It, that you If could... your commissioner came to you and made those suggestions, though, how would you feel? Well, so if if like the league were to, are you saying if the league were to like end, like the if the NHL were to suspend play again and then potentially have a bubble or whatever, but similar to that season where the the NHL just stopped playing, are you saying like that's the contingency plan or that's the scenario, or you're just saying this season you're just calling it a write off? We're talking about multiple scenarios, but that would be one of the scenarios. Yes, if the league just completely shut down, I would say if like the league just continues play and it's just kind of what's been happening now where you are getting games postponed and everything like that. And some people are losing on goalie categories. I would say you keep going because technically everybody potentially is running into that same, that same scenario. So I don't think it's isolated to one person. Sometimes it may seem that way, but with how things could happen the next couple of weeks, somebody, some other people could, be in like that situation and it's not like you they don't have the opportunity to pick up a goalie or or whatnot so i would say you would keep going uh as status quo or however the original rules were at the beginning of the season but if the league were to like the nhl were to suspend play that's when i would come up with some creative ways to either divvy up the pot or if you just want to say this was the day and whatever the standings are that's the standings you know it's not like those people that that were in the last place it's not like they didn't have an opportunity to get to first they had the whole season to up until then to get into first so yep oh man Uh, i know i understand it's definitely difficult in that context but it's hard to balance too because that's one perspective but there are certainly be other people who have the perspective of you know, I would have easily beaten this person this week, but because I didn't get enough goalie starts, I ended up losing, right? And it's also luck of the draw in the context of if you're playing a guy who's in first place and they don't get enough starts and you beat them that week, that'll help you jump and climb the ladder. Whereas, you know, if you're playing the guy who's already in 10th place, it doesn't really matter. And so you would have probably gotten those wins anyway. So there's definitely other considerations to kind of put into it in the context of maybe some people think differently about the exact same topics. But I agree with you in the the context of if leagues fully get shut down or if it becomes a bubble and then some teams don't get invited to the bubble because they weren't going to make the playoffs anyway, there's really not much you can do. You could do a playoff bracket. So you could do some type of, uh, you know, bubble bracket where it's five players per bubble and you choose one player and everybody does their own thing. Or you just do a regular playoff bracket. Here's all the teams making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, And then you basically choose who's going to win the Stanley Cup in each round, so on and so forth. Or at that point, you call it what it is and you say, you know what, we're just going to start again next year because we weren't able to finish it up this year. Yeah, you could uh, just move the money to next year. Yep. So that's fine too. Some contingency plans, some things to think about. But all I'm suggesting in this podcast right now is if you haven't even thought about it or you haven't even started those conversations, I would maybe at least have some of those conversations and start thinking about it because 
you know, if your league is full of guys like Marcus and his opinion where, hey, we're all in the same boat, we're all dealing with the same stuff. So it is what it is. We're going to go on as is. And as long as everybody's fine with that, go right ahead, right? That's totally normal. That's totally fine as well. I wouldn't have any problems with that personally, but you would want to make sure that everybody in the league is comfortable with that. If not, you would have to then come up with some or of at least the majority points. or the majority. Yeah, exactly. All right, Marcus. All right, Sean, this is there is anything it. else you wanted to add for the week? Uh, go Leafs go. Of course. That's And <laughs> hopefully they continue to win. And yeah, the only thing that I can add of relevance to fantasy is I was in two football fantasy teams, two football fantasy leagues this year. And I made the finals in both leagues, and I went 0-2. Ouch. And that is the second consecutive year that has happened to me, Marcus. Ooh. So I've played on the same two leagues for the last two seasons, and four times I have made the finals, and I'm 0-4 in the finals. Oh, so you're the Buffalo Bills. I'm literally the Buffalo Bills <laughs> of fantasy football. I'm good enough that I've made the finals in both leagues in consecutive back-to-back years, but I'm not good enough to have won a championship. So I'm 0-4 in the championship game. So Damn. very frustrating. Certainly gotten all my money back and stuff because of finishing first place in the regular season and finishing yeah. second in the playoffs and stuff. Like I'm not losing money by doing it, but it's mm-hmm. been very frustrating. That's for sure. That hurts. It hurts, man. It hurts. Speaking of fantasy as well, I'm in a uh, NBA fantasy league. And like the past two weeks, I've had so many injuries due to COVID. I think like I've averaged 10 players injured. Like I'm, I'm just like, I've given up in terms of How many of that. guys do you have on your team? Uh, I think it's like 16 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> or it's 20 or something. It's like, I think it's like half and half right now is like that but are injured. you know injured. what, Marcus? Everybody's dealing with the same stuff, man. Yeah, no, I I get that. That's why I'm I'm just saying it. It just sucks. It does. It does hurt. It does hurt. I mean, <laughs> I counted like my opponent, and I think he only had like six injured, whereas I had like ten. But I've kind of just like said, okay, that's what it. If that's good, the way it's gonna be, that's the way it's gonna be. But life has to go on. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to Face Offs and Fantasy with your two co-hosts, Sean and Marcus. This is the end of episode number 13. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Have an excellent week. Good luck. Bye.